Welcome. It's an honor and privilege to open up the Word with you guys this morning. We've been working on a a 10-week series, and this is week number five. Uh, We've been talking about God and our greatest fears. Uh, This series started by just exploring what are the general fears that we that we have that we all have and kind of the responses I've been getting is um, the husband would say you know you really talked about my greatest fear this week but next week that wasn't my greatest fear at all that was my wife's greatest fear so what these fears are is just kind of a general fear that we all um, we all have we all face and and maybe one fear is yours maybe one fear is not yours Uh, but they're kind of the general fears that, uh, um, that are infiltrating the world, that are infiltrating us, that we all struggle with. So we want to ask the question, what does God say about them? Last couple of weeks we talked about the fear of the unknown, the fear of loss of freedom, the fear of pain and misery. Uh, next week we're going to talk about the fear of, of being judged, the fear of judgment, ridicule, um, death and failure will be the, the following weeks after that. But this morning we're going to talk about the fear of loneliness. Number one in our notes, one of our greatest fears is the fear of loneliness. The yearning to attach and connect and to love and to be loved is the fiercest longing of our soul. And there's a big issue because it hurts if we are not loved. It hurts if we do feel like we are alone. If you have all the money in the world and you have nobody to share it with and you are lonely, all the money doesn't do you any good. If you have a beautiful mansion and you go into the mansion and you're alone in the mansion, it's almost like the mansion is is poisoned because you're alone, it doesn't give you anything. If you have all the fame and the power and popularity and no deep connection with people, isolated, then fame, popularity, money, everything just seems to go. There's a longing of the soul that says, I need people. What is loneliness? In your notes, definition, the fear of being alone is the most dreadful feeling of emptiness caused by an absence of interaction with another human being. This fear has also evolved from one of the early survival instincts. We fear loneliness because it is more likely that we would survive if we were in a group of people. No matter what we have, if we don't have people, it seems like we don't have anything. It seems like we don't have enough. Maybe loneliness is the one item that destroys absolutely everything in our lives. So if loneliness is the one item that destroys absolutely everything in our lives, we can think, well, how many people are alone? I mean, we live in a world that has 7.5 billion people, and uh, if you look at the statistics, just in the United States, 90% of male population in America believe that they do not have a true friend. Here we are living in the United States with all these people that are walking shoulder to shoulder with each other. We're face to face with each other. We're having contact with each other, and we're making the statement, I, for some reason, I'm still lonely. And it's something that we often don't want to talk about because we often think loneliness is something that, that only comes from a weak person, but yet 90%, according to these statistics, maybe lower, maybe higher, are saying that we don't want to talk about it, but yet it's a disease or it's a, an, a, a behavior that has taken us. Mother Teresa makes a comment about loneliness as loneliness is the leprosy of the modern society and no one wants anybody to know they're a leper. So it's just something we just don't talk about. It's just something we live with. It's just something that we continue to have the pain with and just think, well, there must be something wrong with me if I'm lonely. Quote from Pearl Buck, the person who tries to live alone will not succeed as a human being. His heart withers if it does not answer to another heart. 
His mind shrinks away if he hears only the echoes of his own thoughts and finds no other inspiration. It is a large issue, and there's a lot of people in the world. So we want to ask the question, why are we lonely? Is there something else going on inside of us as human beings that we can be around somebody We can be married to somebody, we can have children, and we can be in a crowd and still be lonely. What is taking place? What is the cure for loneliness? And what does the Bible say about loneliness is what we're going to look at. Because what the Bible says about loneliness loneliness, is going to give the psyche of the human being to say, this is what loneliness is, and this is how you can overcome it. Because God, who created us and made us, understands the psyche of us, and therefore he does give us the answer about loneliness. So to look at this, we need to go right back to Genesis. When we were first created, I think it gives us the whole understanding of of this concept of loneliness. Number two says, the need to have people in our lives has been written in the fabric of our being. I have a dog that I always have to defend, and the reason why is because if he is with me all day long, he's a great dog. But if I leave him alone, he has major issues. Friday night, I went to the concert of prayer, and I left him alone. And when I left him alone, he chewed up my daughter's shoe. And uh, my daughter was a little frustrated with him. When I came home, my wife says, you should go talk to your daughter. Um, you left your dog alone again. And if you leave your dog alone, you know there's destruction that always happens. Uh, you should go um, apologize for your dog and maybe defend your dog. So I go in my daughter's room and I say, honey, my Baxter, I'm sorry that this took place. And she looked at me and says, you know, that dog chews up absolutely everything. He doesn't listen to me. So I told him to go play out in the street. And uh, I said, well, when I came home, he was out in the street and I almost ran over him. So he does listen to you, but he just chews up things. That's all, he, uh, that's all he does. But it's written in the fabric of his being that there's almost a reaction that takes place when he's left alone. There is a reaction inside of us that takes place when we're left alone. We don't go chew things like he does, but there is a reaction that takes place. What kind of reaction takes place? Uh, or why does a reaction take place? Let's just look at uh, the, creation of, the creation of man. When God created people, um, he, or when God created the world, he kind of had a statement that he always did. He would create something, and then he would say it was, and then he makes a statement of how well it was. Watch these statements of Genesis 1, 1 through 3. Then God said, let there be light. It was so, and then he makes a statement. Oh, that was good. That was a great accomplishment. He observed it and says, this is exactly what I want. Genesis 1, let there expanse in the waters. It was so, it was good. The same repetition of the first creation. But we can go even to number three. Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the dry land appear. It was so, I looked at it, and it was good. Genesis 1, 11, let the earth sprout vegetation. It was so, God sits back. It was good. Genesis 1, 14, let there be lights in the expanse of heavens. It was so, and ah, it was good. Genesis 1.24, then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures in it. It was so, and it was good. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. And let the Lord, then the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Then the Lord God said, It is not good. (laughs) Oops, made a mistake. 
Is that what the passage says? It does almost say, oops, I made a mistake. I'm not trying to put down men. But as soon as he created the man, he goes, ah, this is not good. Well, let's finish the verse. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. After everything is good and then not good, what's he making the statement to us for? He's making the statement that said man is incomplete without people. Man is not whole without people. I've created people for community. Now we can often think in um, loneliness. Well, if you're lonely and you ever hear a sermon that if you're lonely, all you need is God and that is it. Well, that sermon sounds very spiritual, but it's not biblical in a sense that God says, I am here for you and I will mend your loneliness, but you also need something else to be complete. You also need something else to be whole. And the way that I designed it is to give you other people to be around. I give you other people around. God created us so we cannot function well independently of others. God created us not to be individuals, but to be corporate people. And when we are corporate people, that is when we find the life that God created us to live. Now, look at the fall. After God created us to live this way, something took place. After the fall, you see a shattering of relationships. Now, remember, relationships is the deepest longing of even Adam and Eve's um, soul before sin took place. But then after sin took place, a shattering of relationships occurred. The first shattering that occurred was a broken intimacy with God. What does the word intimacy mean? The word intimacy means to be known, to be known. Watch what takes place. Genesis 3.10, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. Therefore, I hid myself. After, the, after sin took place, what kind of relationship we were having with God? Well, number one, I was afraid of God. I don't want you to look at me. I'm scared of you, God. I don't want, I'm exposed to God. I don't want you to see who I am. And therefore, what do I do? I run from God. How is the relationship? It's not very good between us and God. Look at Genesis 3.22. It almost, it gets worse. So the Lord God banished man, him, from the Garden of Eden to work the ground for which he has taken. After he, God, drove man out, he placed out the east side of the Garden of Eden a cherubim, and a flaming sword was flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. You see what's taking place there? How is the relationship between God and man? How is the relationship between man and even the flaming sword? Now, when we read this destruction of relationship, we praise God that Christ came, and I'll talk about this later, Christ came to restore the relationship again, but when sin took place, there is something that happened between us and a relationship with God. It's not the only relationship that was broken. The relationship was broken between Adam and Eve. The husband and wife was also shattered. Genesis 3, 7, Then the eyes of both of them were open. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Now what is intimacy? Remember what intimacy is? Is to be completely known. All of a sudden they said, well, I am naked. I am completely exposed. I need to seal myself off. I need to cover my body so I will not be physically known to them, to, to each other. 
The other thing is we say, oh, it's just physical body, but it's not only physical body. They don't want to expose their emotions either. They don't want to expose their guilt. They don't want to expose their shame. They don't want to be authentic with each other anymore. So what are they doing? They're clothing themselves to hide themselves from each other. Do you see the destruction of intimacy? If intimacy is, I want to be known, and all of a sudden the reaction is, I need to close up because I'm carrying guilt, I'm carrying garbage that I don't want anybody to know about, because if somebody knows about, they will see me and they just might not love me. They will see me and they just might not accept me. They will see me and they will not appreciate me. Intimacy is being completely known, and we talk about sexual intimacy. What is that? It's just a picture of being completely known physically, completely exposed physically. Is sexual intimacy healthy? Yes, as long as it comes into the package of emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy, intimacy under a commitment, a covenant relationship with a husband and wife. You see what's taken place God designed the husband and wife to have an intimate, deep relationship where they can be known physically, known spiritually, known emotionally, share their feelings. What's taken place is that is what you call uh, the cure of loneliness. But we can see here that it was destroyed as in a sense that people would put things on to try to hide themselves because of the fear that they have for each other. We are people who are hungry to be fully known and fully loved and we're scared to expose ourselves because fully loved might not come if fully known is given. Well, that's not the only thing that took place to Adam and Eve. We hide, but we also did something, they also did something else as soon as sin came in. They started to blame. The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she is the one who gave me the tree, or gave the tree and I ate it. Gave the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Um, all of a sudden, a person starts to get accused. God asked Adam. He doesn't even be accused. He's asked Adam, and Adam goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't come inside my territory of guilt. Don't come inside my territory of being exposed. Oh, it's easy if I just point the finger and throw somebody else under the bus so you don't see who I am. So what happens? She starts to point the finger. He starts to point the finger. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this in your relationship, um, I've done it, <laughs> where it's not my fault, Jody, um, it's your fault. <laughs> it doesn't work. The relationship is not whole. Can you survive a relationship this way? You see, what's happening is that people are alone, even in marriage relationships, often because we hide for one, but then we blame for other just because we are afraid of possibly being exposed. It's built into our hardware as we see a sin take place. Don't look at my sin, look at theirs. Don't look at my shame, look at theirs. Don't look at my guilt, look at theirs. Don't look at my actions, look at somebody else's actions. I want the coverings on me to be hidden from it. But is that healthy or is that loneliness? We blame Genesis 3.13. We see Eve definitely pointing to somebody else besides her. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. It wasn't my fault. Don't look at my shame. Don't look at what I did. It's somebody else. We hide. We blame. And the third thing we do in our relationships after sin is that we fight. Built into our hardware. Genesis 3.16. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. 
the wife is going to tell the husband what for, and the husband is going to get a little bit louder and say, whoa, 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 I'm going to tell you what for. And what takes place? It's just this constant thing that can easily take place inside of the relationship. So you see a relationship that's broken with God. You see a relationship that is broken with Adam and Eve. There's also a broken relationship with Satan. I think there's only one person that's kind of raising their hand. It's like, you know, I see the family dynamics that's taking place here between God and everybody. And Satan said, hey, I'll, 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 be, a, I'll be somebody's friend. <laughs> you know, I'll take the woman. I'll be happy. And uh, God just says, oh, hold on a second. Genesis 3, 5. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. The relationships are struggling. But Satan, you're not going to touch him. You're not going to touch him. She's going to hate you as well. Broken relationships with children is the fourth thing that took place. Genesis 3.16, the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you will bring forth children. So here, Adam and Eve's relationship is, is, is struggling. They think, well, if we have new offspring, then everything will be fixed with the offspring. Well, this is talking specifically about the birth, um, but is it just specifically about the birth? It would be specifically about the birth if you raised your child and had zero pain in the process of raising your children. And think back of the sleepless nights when your child was in the crib, wanting out, angry, mad. It's not easy. You ever heard the comment that what is um, grandchildren is God's gift to parents for not killing their own children? (laughs) Where does that comment come from? When we're raising our children, it's not easy. It's not. It is tough. And things happen that are difficult. Well, this is just the hardware of what we live in, the hardware of what we establish, of what's been established inside of us. The other thing took place after the fall is, number four, after the fall, you see an intense increase in labor. What is that? More work, more toil, more sweat, more labor. Genesis 17 says, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and, it will, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. For since it, you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Taking place broken relationships and a lot of hard work. That's the structure of what we live in with seven and a half billion people in the world, we live under broken relationships and hard work. So what is loneliness? Let's just wrap it up in Genesis. Number five, people suffer from loneliness because relationships are a lot of work and we don't have enough time because we're all too busy working, playing, accomplishing, doing things that we just don't necessarily need to invest in relationships because what happens it's just too much to do. The cure uh, pain of loneliness is often too busy. If you look at a relationship, you think, I want to have a relationship, but it's too difficult, so I need to replace it with something. We often replace it, the pain, with multiple things, sometimes just TV. I'm struggling in the relationship, so I'll just rest a little bit and sit with TV. You struggle with the pain of loneliness, with replacing it with also alcoholism something just to heat and heal the pain and, and to numb the pain. We place loneliness with, with hobbies. We place loneliness with something that we can feel like we are accomplishing something, because as long as we can feel like we're accomplishing something, we're getting gratification from the things that we're accomplishing. 
You know that uh, men only travel to the areas that they succeed in. Uh, how many men are just the most relationship people in the world? Often they try relationship, and when they try relationship, they fail, and then they try to move even away from it. Marriages, you can be lonely. How can you be lonely in a marriage, connected with somebody, having sexual intimacy, having physical intimacy, even having conversation? It's because we try to hide ourselves, and as soon as we try to hide ourselves, we pull back, and then we start grabbing hold of other things. Maybe work is more successful, so the investment in a relationship is not going to be there. But is that the cure of loneliness? The only cure for loneliness is interaction. The only cure for loneliness is being authentic with people. The only cure for loneliness is a restoration of intimacy. I am going to let myself be known and prayerfully be loved. And that is the cure that takes place in loneliness. Have you ever known anyone who failed at relationships, who was isolated, lonely, unconnected with deep friendships, with no deep friendships, yet had a joyful life? We can often grab something, go this direction, but it does not fill us up. It's not the one source. On the contrary, have you ever known someone who succeeded in just about everything, succeeded at work, or uh, succeeded at uh, cultivated strong friendships, devoted to family, mastered the art of giving and, and receiving and, and loved and dedication to their family, and were absolutely miserable? See, what happens is loneliness is almost, or connection with people, is the most important thing the human being can do. So looking at uh, loneliness, say I'm struggling with loneliness, what's the cure? Let's just look at number six. We're going to have to do this quickly as we're looking at the time. Number six, relationships require a motive to make it happen, time, commitment, and hard work. God has built the church for the purpose of curing loneliness, and what he has said is that you're going to, what, join together, fitted together, heirs together, held together, sent together, harvest relationships inside the church. If we don't harvest relationships, we're not going to be, we're, not, we're going to continue to be lonely. But think about the person that's in the church that uh, might be a widow. Now, when a person is a widow who lost her husband, there's a deep sense of loneliness that overtakes that person. Is it just because she no longer has somebody that she's with? Or is there something else that's going on? I believe that there's something else that's going on. Forty years, she's looking back, say, 40 years of being married. I have had intimacy with my husband. We were known physically. We were known emotionally. We had conversation. I exposed myself, and I was loved, and then I lost him. I am afraid of trying it again. I am intimidated of trying to get connected again. I'm afraid of being vulnerable with somebody else. I'm afraid and don't have enough energy to even push myself forward to embrace people. See, loneliness is not the issue of being around somebody. Loneliness is the issue of this is a difficult thing to do. I must connect, but I am afraid to connect. So they pull back. So what is this person supposed to do? Who has, who has been a widow. A person must be motivated to make it happen, must have time and commitment and hard work. The most difficult thing they could ever do is find connection with people, but the greatest blessing you could ever do 
is have that connection with people. What about a lonely person who has a broken relationship? This person is afraid of trusting people again, so they continue to put the fig leaves on to make sure intimacy doesn't take place because I don't want it to be vulnerable again. I don't want to, because I don't trust because of the way I've been hurt before. They're afraid of giving yourself away again, afraid of being hurt again. So as they're afraid of that, they put the fig leaves on even more and pull back and say, I cannot expose myself. Therefore, they suffer from loneliness, but they must be motivated, committed to pull out of it. A lonely business guy, he's moved away from his family and said, I've got to cure my loneliness of being successful in business. What does he have to do if he's going to, if he's going to um, get out of that cycle of loneliness? It's difficult. He has to change his focus. He has to change his passion. He has to change his drive and make sure that his motivation is not business anymore. His motivation is then turned to relationships rather than business. Lonely person who goes to church. Again, God has built the church for us. This person that is lonely, people walk in the church, they're lonely. There has to be an aggression towards what does a church have to offer? Where is the small groups at? How do I get into prayer? How can I be a, a greeter? In a sense of people walking in the door, just me serving people is even a cure for loneliness. But again, it takes motive to make it happen. It takes commitment and it takes hard work. What about a lonely bachelor that doesn't get married because he likes the, the physical relationships with other girls? He's afraid of losing his power, so he cannot embrace it. He's afraid of losing his position, so he wants to keep on living that lifestyle. He's afraid that he's um, not going to be able to fuel his lust anymore if he gets married and committed to somebody that um, he is emotionally connected with, physically connected with, spiritually connected with, so he just lives in this cycle. That person will die lonely unless he can turn and get rid of all those things and say, I've got to make intimacy heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul, mind-to-mind, body-to-body connection with one person under a covenant if I'm going to come, over, come out of the cure of loneliness. You must choose, I will not be lonely, and work towards it, but it is the most difficult thing you'll ever do. And it's not easy, but let me tell you, it's even going to get worse. Number seven, relationships require authenticity, trust, and vulnerability. We must choose to be ready to work, but also as we choose to be ready to work, we're almost choosing to go into war. And what takes place when you go into war? You get shot at. You get hurt. But what do you do when you're in war getting shot at and you get hurt? You continue to move forward. What do we do in relationships where we get shot at, we get hurt? We often move back. Let's look at Genesis 3.10 and break it down. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself afraid. Let's just look at that word. If people get to know me, they're going to hate me. I don't want to expose myself, because if I expose myself, they're going to have a response to me, and it's not going to be good. If I make myself vulnerable, they will laugh at me. That's why I'm afraid. If they see me, they will, or if I, um, if I trust them, then they'll start using me. You see what's taking place, why people are lonely, is because they are afraid of authenticity, trust, and vulnerability, but we have to say on the other side that often that fear is legitimate, just in the sense that we do live in the covenant of sin, and people do break your trust, do break being authentic, do use you if you show vulnerability. But what we must do is we must be the soldier that continues to charge into war, forgiving, 
moving because a cure for loneliness is authenticity, trust, and vulnerability. And if we do not have it with people, we will always be lonely. Naked. If they see me, they will judge me. If they see me, they will laugh at me. They will not like me. They will not want to be with me. We are lonely. Seven and a half billion people in the world, we are lonely because we hide. What do we do? Number hide. It is easier to be lonely than to put myself out there and to be condemned. The reason why we hide is because we do not want to be fully, we don't understand the concept of being completely and fully forgiven. And if we don't understand the concept of being fully forgiven, we cannot step out of there. Fully known and fully loved is where we need to be to cure loneliness. Is that going to be easy? It's not going to be easy, but it must be if we are going to overcome loneliness. Number eight, relationships require making another person the focus. Had an individual ask me when I was getting married, um, this was before I got married, they said, why are you getting married? And um, I don't remember my response, but I remember his answer that he told me. He said, you are getting married so you and your wife can walk shoulder to shoulder towards Christ. Your job in your relationship is to make sure, if you're going to succeed in your relationship, is make sure that your wife's relationship with Christ grows. Well, what is that going to have to do? That's going to have me denying myself, living for that purpose rather than the purpose that I have for myself. But remember the sin, let's just bring it up again, that has taken place in us. Genesis 3, the man said, the woman whom you gave me, she is the one that gave me the fruit, and then I ate it. Hold on a second. Points of fingers outside. Genesis 3, 16, the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And then Genesis 3.16, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. There has to be a denying of yourself or we will end up completely lonely. Now when we look at the topic of, of loneliness and the exposure of us as individuals, we look at it and say this is absolutely impossible. And I would say that it is absolutely impossible if we did not have the example of Christ that came. What happened is that when Christ came to earth, he lived a perfect life. And when he lived a perfect life, he says, I am going to completely expose myself on the cross. I will lay my life down in a sense that there will not be fighting. I'm not going to fight. I will lay my life down specifically for you. I will be put into the grave, die in your stead, and then I will rise again, and then I will live with you. You see what's taking place is Christ says, my people are lonely even though they're all on this earth. But as my people are lonely, I'm going to do something about it. And what I'm going to do about it is I am going to ha do a source that will show them extreme amount of intimacy where Jesus will be completely known on the cross. And Jesus will completely know us. So in that process of salvation, is only the area that we can say, you know what, I need to be authentic with people. I need to be real with people. I need to be fully known with people. And the reason why is because I have a God who's done it to me, and I am required to do it to others for the cure of loneliness. The salvation message is the first step of being able to overcome loneliness. Embrace that and you'll be able to embrace people. Number nine, challenge. Make relationships a priority, accomplish the hard, 
and fight the busy. If you think you can fit deep community in the cracks of an overloaded schedule, uh, we cannot. Wise people do not try to microwave friendships, parenting, or marriages, or even relationships in the church. Their focus from anything else has then changed and is turned and focused specifically on relationships. And when that focus is specific on relationships, that all your jobs work towards relationships, all your actions work towards relationships, all your behaviors work towards your relationships, it is the only cure for loneliness. Make relationship the ultimate focus. Make relationships the ultimate priority with God and with others. You see how Christ cleaned it up? He gave us two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love others as yourself is the only cure for somebody who is lonely. God, we just um, pray that you would just uh, empower us, God, to uh, be motivated to um, be authentic. God, we have been hurt in the past. We have been uh, um, have reasons, God, not to trust. But God, we also carry this deep sense of loneliness, God, a deep sense of pain, a deep sense of hurt. We ask, God, for a revival in our lives that we would be able to take the cross, take you, take the salvation, and move towards people knowing that you move towards us. Thank you, God, for the cure of loneliness, and I pray we all take advantage of it. In Christ's name, amen.